what is the multiverse? Well, there's another idea that comes out of Star Wars, and that is that there's actually different domains that different creatures inhabit. That's kind of another idea. Yeah, when I think of multiverse, I think of parallel universe that uh, exist at the same time. Uh, there's another TV show, old one called Stargates. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I love that show. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. So, um, I watched that, and yeah, that was kind of intriguing. Uh, I think Loki, uh, as part of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, had uh, is dealing with a lot of multiverses, and they actually do the branching timeline multiverse in a fuller treatment in that they actually have multiple Lokis. <laughs> Eventually, you get quite a few Lokis all, all showing up basically going through portals in time and going back and forth. Welcome to the Patterns of Truth podcast, the place for casual discussion of biblical principles and difficult questions that face the Christian believer. We believe that the Bible can speak to today's issues, giving us the wisdom and the courage we need for our lives. We are so glad that you are joining us and you can always find us at patternsoftruth.org. Welcome. Thanks for joining us again at Patterns of Truth. I'm your host for today, Patricia, and this episode is about the theory of the multiverse. So we're pretty deep into science today. So if our listeners don't know what that is, it's okay. We have three men of science here, so let's meet our guests. First, we have Roy, we have Daniel, and then we have Peter, and I guess I'm the novice, maybe one of the novices in the conversation today. So Roy, first tell us about your interest in science, mathematics, etc. Let us know you a little bit. Well, I was raised in a home where my father was a science teacher, so there's always been some kind of uh, scientific activity going on in our household. I grew up in Redlands, California, which is near the desert. We would go out uh, exploring uh, in the desert, picking up uh, rocks, and my dad would always tell us what kind of rock it was. So. Uh, Throughout all my education and my profession, I uh, worked as an engineer, uh, actually a computer scientist at uh, Intel. Mm. So uh, my degree is in mathematics, one of my degrees. So science has always been uh, interesting to me. And a few years ago, I got particularly interested in astronomy uh, and uh, bought a telescope. And we go out and look at the stars every so often. So I've maintained an interest in science and in particular astronomy. Nice. It's funny. When you said you worked at Intel, I immediately heard like the jingle go off in my head that, you know, you'd see on TV. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Some heavy marketing right there. (laughs) All right. Daniel, what about you? Interest, mathematics, science? Just tell us a little bit. (laughs) So um, when I was a teenager, I had a... uh, a serious health issue, and that led me to desire to be in medicine. Um, I was originally going to uh, um, college for a medical uh, a pre-med degree, um, but I got, um, I wouldn't say sidetracked, but I got, uh, the Lord diverted me to uh, become a, a, a scientist, a biologist, and I was uh, trained in, in uh, biology with a specific interest of cell and developmental biology. So cell and developmental biology does not have a lot of 
at the time, uh, back in the 90s, it didn't have a lot of application getting into it. So uh, instead, I became a a chemist and I've been working in uh, as an analytical chemist for about 25 years now. So mostly pharmaceuticals, um, Mm -hmm. a little bit of biotech uh, and and other things, but mostly uh, sciences in, in pharmaceuticals at the moment. Okay, cool. All right, Peter, what about you? So I am the second novice person here on the... <laughs> okay, so I'm not alone, all right. <laughs> um, yeah, so uh, I'm also interested in science by trade. I'm a pharmacist. I've been interested since I was in high school in biology, chemistry, and physics. I always did well with chemistry and uh, was interested in becoming a pharmacist. Really, I can relate to Daniel, love medicine in general and disease states and really love... Uh, the microbiology part of medicine and mm. infectious disease and different the different small things that happen in our body. Uh, so that's my interest. Love science and always loved the path to learning. And uh, since I do medicine all the time, now I'm interested in physics. So I watch a lot of YouTube physics. Uh, <laughs> uh, so I follow like two or three people, which is lots of fun. It's like, oh, now I remember this from okay. high school. <laughs> all right. Nerding out all of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's all good stuff. That's good. Okay. So yeah, I'm the other novice in the room, but I mean, (laughs) we will survive, I'm sure. Um, Okay. So our topic today, as I said, is the multiverse. And as humans, we've always been interested in exploring the question, are there worlds outside of our own? So as as our guests were just talking about, like the world that's inside of our bodies, right? This like endless study that can be done, right? Like think of like the human genome project and everything that's being studied on how, right? Like right now, even how the coronavirus like affects the human body, it's just an endless discussion. And yet we're still always fascinated with what's going on outside of the world. So right now, I think a bunch of regular people, regular rich people are traveling to the edge of space, right? Or whatever that is. And so we know that there is an interest um, in human beings to kind of just step outside of our world and to think of where else could we be. So we think about, you know, Orwell's War of the Worlds, but you don't even have to go that far. You can think of almost any film that explores like aliens or, you know, traveling to a different planet. And we know that at least three films every year come out that involve something about space, the universe, interstellar travel. And we're Christians. So as Christians, we know that God exists. We know that angels exist. We know that eternity exists and heaven exists. And those things and those places are outside of the earth. But how do we respond to the question about what's the multiverse, right? We know that we have to seek those things which are above and we long for our home in heaven. But what should we be thinking about when we consider the possibility that the multiverse exists? So I think we're just going to jump into the first question. What is the multiverse? Well, maybe we could think about some of the movies you were mentioning. Um, (laughs) Actually, one of my favorite movies, I don't know if it's a favorite, but I find interesting is Back to the Future. Mm-hmm. Uh, it came out in three parts. I think I mentioned that because I think almost everybody's familiar with it. But yeah. this has an interesting issue that's brought up in it, which could be thought of as a as a simple kind of multiverse. And that is a branching mm-hmm. timeline. 
Uh, if you've ever mm. watched the movie, you might remember that uh, certain events happened and then that caused other events to happen. Mm-hmm. And so they had to go back in time to fix up what went wrong and and so on. So there's a well, there's one idea as a branching timeline. So you have multiple possible outcomes. Now, that's not exactly a multiverse in the sense that the different timelines don't actually exist in parallel. Hmm. So there's another idea that comes out of Star Wars, and that is that there's actually different domains that hmm. different creatures inhabit. That's kind of another idea. And so to kind of get us started, we might think of those kinds of uh uh, scenarios maybe right. you have some other ideas it makes me think about like the problem that's always said right oh no if you change the past then you're never born or something like that right like that's right. always like the central problem in those movies so uh peter daniel multiverse definitions uh, i think loki uh, as part of the marvel cinematic universe had uh, is dealing with a lot of multiverses and they actually do the branching timeline multiverse in a fuller treatment in that they actually have multiple Lokis. <laughs> Eventually, you get quite a few Lokis all all showing up, basically going through portals in time and going back and forth. Now, I'm not an expert. I have not watched a lot of that movie series, this uh, series, but uh, that's one of those that actually explicitly defines multiverses as part of season one, episode one. Yeah, when I think of multiverse, I think of parallel universe that uh, exist at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's another uh, TV show, old one called Stargates. Um, oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> I love that show. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. So, go ahead. <laughs> um, I watched that, and yeah, that was kind of intriguing. But Ian Roy brings another point, and I thought about it, and I'm sure everybody did. Like, you know, if you travel through time and go to the past or the future, does that change outcome and like you can go into a rabbit hole of, you know, what happens <laughs> if right. something, you know, if something changes uh, in the past for the mm-hmm. future. So, yeah, now now that you say that, it makes me think of another Marvel movie. I think it was it was one of the Endgame movies, I think. My husband and I, we had this argument about like when Captain America went back into his past, so he could finally marry Peggy and then he seemingly ends up on a bench in the future. And I was like, there were two Captain Americas in one timeline. What happened? Right, and we yeah. always have this argument, like, <laughs> how did this? <laughs> and I'm not the only one, because I was like mm-hmm. searching on Reddit. There were other people who agreed with me. <laughs> um, but just this whole idea of like, where did I get that idea from? That two Captain Americas cannot exist in the same time period. Like that comes from some understanding, right, of a concept of the multiverse, right? And so it's pretty embedded in our culture, um, at least in our Western culture, because we've got so many stories surrounding it, because we always have these questions, right? If I could do life over, what would it be like? Or like, Mm. if there's another place where there's another me, what would that be like? We know it's more complicated than that, but... Well, um, you're getting a little bit ahead of the story, because in fact, (laughs) some of the more bizarre proposals that scientists actually have made come right up against that problem. You have uh, oh. extreme okay. multiplicity. But w- w- let's uh, let's take this uh, step at a time. Well, why are we talking <laughs> about this at all? And I think we have to start with a concept. Actually, it's not a concept. It's a, it's a pretty well-accepted fact now that the particular science laws and parameters that govern our universe 
are very unique. And there's a number of examples that you can think of. Uh, People thought about the inhabitable zone. For example, the distance that our planet is from the sun has to be just about where it is Mm. for water to exist in all three states on Earth. And so scientists looking for other planets will be looking for planets Mm. that are in this habitable zone. Well, it turns out there's actually a number of overlapping habitable zones so that there is a habitable zone for the force of gravity with regard to the sun. Some of the planets that have been found, which are in the water habitable zone, are too close to their uh, host sun so that they are tidally locked. In other words, they always face the same face of the planet is always toward the star. And of course, that makes one side extremely hot and the other side extremely cold. So that would not be a good place to live. So this has brought about a notion of what's called fine-tuning. And a number of books have been written about this. Actually, really interesting book is called The Cosmic Jackpot, written by Paul Davies. And he's not a believer. He's an agnostic. And yet he spends the good part of his book talking about how all these precise constants and laws have to be met in order for us to have a habitable planet. Another book is The Privileged Planet by Gonzalez and Richard, and also another book, Improbable Planet by Hugh Ross. So if people are interested, they can look in the the show notes and we'll have uh, references to those books. But the common theme here is that our Earth is very, very special. So that brings up a real question. How did all this happen? If Mm -hmm. all the constants of the universe the force of gravity, the electromagnetic force, all have to be precisely set for life to exist in this universe anywhere. How did that happen? And of course, for us as Christians, it's very easy to answer because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So there's a designer, there's an architect, there's one who set things exactly the way they need to be for us to be here. But for the unbeliever, that becomes a problem. So then I guess my question, and maybe we can shoot this to Peter and or Daniel, is so we've got so many, we've got these like books and films, right? Even that popularize this idea, right? We know, right, eternity exists, right? And yet at the same time, people have a really, really hard time acknowledging or Yeah, acknowledging that God exists and that he is a creator and we've got a system and things are working together in a way that makes where we are really special. And so it's it's like we've got all these fun stories, right? People pay money, right, to go watch movies. People pay money to study these topics. And yet there's really, really stark resistance to the designer. So I know it's a huge question, but <laughs> what do we think is going on with that? So I'll, I'll let Daniel talk more maybe, but uh, the only thing I want to say is that you saw how many movies we mentioned mm-hmm. uh, that has this concept. So it's very attractive to us to think of parallel universe or travel through time. And maybe because of the attraction, we decided to imagine it more in our life and make it more real. And maybe physics-wise, we think it might be possible. So maybe we can ask this question, like how possible this is to happen. 
but the idea that it would be kind of attractive for humans to feel that they're empowered by having multiple universes. So for what I understand, some of the multiverse uh, thought from science is due to the difficulty, what Roy mentioned, that we are in a fine-tuned state. Our, our universe is finely tuned for life, and we are finely tuned and give evidence of design. And so they've come up with the statistics on this, and it's very improbable, and you can uh, make it almost impossibly improbable for this Earth to exist in a natural chaotic universe. And mm -hmm. so because of the statistical improbability, science has come up with an end around of that statistical improbability and say, because if they just add years, we've, we've come up with a sort of finite um, based on our understanding of physics and, and astronomy, that the universe would only be a maximum of 14 billion years old or 13 billion, whatever the, the most recent mm -hmm. uh, evidence would point to that we have a finite age of the universe. And so if you plug in calculations of trying to figure out if you try this probability or this probability to try and make life out of mm -hmm. building blocks of life, it creates a long time period that you have to have. And so the idea of the multiverse is that Okay, so that's one universe. But what happens if we have multiple universes, an infinite number of multi multiverses, so that we can play this scenario? It's basically going through a computer simulation at this point and, and with multiverses in, in a scientific concept and saying, well, what happens if we simulate it using this variable or this variable? And so you can come up with infinite number, billions and billions and, and trillions of multiverses. And in one of those multiverses, life would exist just like our own. And so that's one of the ideas, we'll get into it later, of the types of universes or types of multiverses that scientists, I should say, have come up with. But that's one of the reasons why the multiverse ideas exist in science, or as far as astronomy and, and physics and, and others. The theoretical physicists and the mm -hmm. theoretical mathematicians come up with a lot of, of uh, these kinds of scenarios. Yeah, I like what Daniel said, the way he put it about an end run. It's an end run around something that's actually pretty obvious. If you have something that's super impro improbable, except it be specifically ordered by someone who has power to order it in a specific way, uh -huh. then you're kind of lost as to how to deal with that if you take a strictly materialistic view. You have to have somebody that's going to order it. And of course, we know as Christians, that that somebody is, is God. Mm -hmm. But if a person is committed to a belief in naturalism, as it's called philosophically or materialism, very closely related concepts, then uh, you got to come up with something like what Daniel was saying is you got to roll the dice a billion times or mm -hmm. quadrillion times or infinite number of times, really, to get one universe that is just happens to be like the one we are in. So it's a matter of playing dice. And that's why I like Paul Davies's book, um, Cosmic Jackpot. You know, it is. It, we just won. But of course, he doesn't go on and, and al analyze it the way we would. There is a limit to what you can do probabilistically. Hmm. So that, okay, so theories around multiverses primarily is like a way to explain the fine tuning of our like situation here, our solar system. Our universe, like how we are on the earth. We can breathe, yeah. we can see, everything is ordered, you know, 
that's basic. That's basically like a foundational kind of belief that that that's where that comes from. Yes. No. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah, that's right. Okay. In fact, you brought up a good one. Which I'll let Daniel and Peter talk about, and that is breathe. Oh. <laughs> In order for us to be able to breathe, the atmospheric pressure has to be within very specific limits. Mm-hmm. On Mars, there's too little air, and that's air pressure. Mm-hmm. It's not just the composition of the air. You can say assume we have good good air on Mars, but the pressure is too low. Mm-hmm. On Venus, the pressure is too high because of the composition of gases on the planet. So we live in a just right planet. Okay. So like my, my wheels are spinning. So <laughs> I guess, I guess I'm thinking too, like, does, is it only like, is this theory of the multiverse, is it only possible to believe in it because people are trying to explain away the fine tuning of our universe or as a Christian is it possible to say, well, God could have made other places that operate differently and just being okay with that? I'm not really sure. Where can we go with this? Well, we said that, uh, and I don't want to dominate the discussion here completely, but we sort of arrived at that point where we realized that the, the motivation for developing these multiverse theories in science mm-hmm is to get around the fine-tuning. I I think we have to admit that. There are some very slight evidences for certain simple multiverses, but it's kind of a stretch. It seems to me that it's a bit of a stretch. Now, as far as we are, uh, as far as our position as Christians, I don't think it's a matter of issue because God can do what he wants to do. Mm -hmm. And the Bible doesn't tell us anything about uh, other universes except the ones you mentioned at the beginning. Mm. So I would simply say to anyone who's trying to propose that it's just not an issue for me. Mm. Now, if someone tries to argue that it's unnecessary to believe in a designer, then you'd have to say, well, look at the evidence. There's just okay. not much evidence mm. for the multiverses that you're proposing. Follow the evidence, hmm. basically. And I'll, I'll take the simplest, road, simplest uh, route to explaining. Now, see, the problem comes in when you, when you begin with the assumption that there is no God. Hmm. If you begin there, then you're really in a, in a, in a bind. You put yourself in, a, in, a, in a, hmm. a philosophically difficult position because you've excluded a possible hmm. explanation, which shouldn't be excluded. Okay. Let the evidence take us where, where it goes. Mm. Now, I'll just mention briefly, just for any, anybody wants to look up multiverse on the Wikipedia, mm-hmm. there are four levels of, of multiverses proposed by the science. One is called the horizon problem, and that's simply that there is an area of our present universe that is beyond our observ- observational power. There's no problem with that. The laws of physics will be the same uh, in that Uh, level one universe. The other one is what I call the loaf of bread analogy. And that is, if you start, the universe is pretty good. There's evidence that the universe expanded at the beginning very quickly. Mm -hmm. But if you think of a loaf of bread expanding, you get, and you slice it open, you see there are holes in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And sometimes rather big holes. So you can think of those holes as being universes, but they all same came from the same beginning, the same starting loaf or the starting Mm -hmm. lump. We might say, 
Then there's a level three, which is called quantum many worlds hypothesis. And that gets bizarre. <laughs> and there's even one that's even more bizarre called the theory of everything level four universe. <laughs> oh, yes. I have and, heard about this one. <laughs> and, and these have very, very scant theoretical. The last two have very scant theoretical support. Mm-hmm. The loaf of bread analogy, the different universes could have different physics. And so they seem to take care of the fine tuning problem. However, there are some very solid theoretical proofs. And I think of one space time theorem by Borg, Valenkin, and Guth. And that says any universe or collection of universes that expands on the average over time has a beginning. So there's really no way you can get around scientifically the fact that this universe had a beginning. Okay. Yeah. Those are a lot of theories. That's a, <laughs> I can see there's, right. well, look quite literally, there's levels to this. So in light of all, in light of everything that you've said, Roy and Daniel and uh, Peter, if you want to jump in, does believing or not believing in the multiverse actually affect the daily Christian life? Should we think of it as something we should focus on and really develop our thoughts and, and say like, okay, no, this is not true. This is true. Or can we leave it open-ended? So some of it depends on how you define multiverse, because I believe, just to just say this out loud, but I believe in a multiverse in how I would define it, which is that there is a visible, physical, observable, natural world that we mm-hmm. can see, touch, and we can observe with our telescopes, and we can uh, do testing and, and design of experiments to try and come up with observable data. And then there's an unseen world. So the seen and unseen, the Mm -hmm. unseen world is a separate world that behaves differently from our world. And this is the spiritual world, which what uh, Colossians 1 would call this. Um, So I'll read Colossians 1. For by him, all things were created. This is verse 16. Mm -hmm. By him, that's through Jesus, all things are created in heaven and on earth visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things are created by him and for him. So first of all, that that gives an implication that there is an unseen world. In fact, it, it clearly states that there is an unseen world and that unseen world behaves perhaps differently. We just can't test it where there's no, mm-hmm. this is why people don't believe in a God because they can't test for right. God. Yeah. And yet yeah. God exists. He has to exist outside of our nature because if he is a creator, a designer, he can't design himself. This is part mm-hmm. of the fundamental theory of creation. So I believe that God created a seen world and an unseen world, angels and, and principalities, dominions, it's called, mm-hmm. that we can't see and we can't test for necessarily, mm-hmm. except sometimes we can see them. In Second Kings 6, I think, it deals with a man whose eyes were opened mm. to see an army that was not presently visible to everybody else. He mm. could see it, and it was God's army that was surrounding the city, protecting Elisha and his servant. Mm. So there, there is, from my perspective, there would be no concern of a multiverse in that definition. Okay. But of course, that's not necessarily a definition of everybody's multiverse. So the first two multiverse levels, I guess, are clearly understood, and I don't think there's any problem with that. When Abraham looked up into the stars, he could see with his his eyes a certain number of stars. Mm-hmm. And as astronomers have gotten better and better telescopes uh, with Michelangelo and beyond, or not Michelangelo, but, um, 
Leonardo da Vinci and beyond, uh, we've gotten further and further out and we can see further and further mm -hmm. just because it takes a certain time to travel something. We can see light from longer and longer distances of time away. And so we can see a lot further and yet we've not reached the edge of what we can see. So if we get a powerful enough telescope, we can see even further. So that's design one. It's just a, uh, a horizons thing. It's sort of like standing. And I think he used the analogy recently of standing on the edge of the shore of, of the Atlantic Ocean in New Jersey, say, and you look towards England. You can't see England. You can only see a certain distance away. <laughs> and, yet, and yet we know England exists because people have traveled back and forth. And I've been there. But if you're just standing there, mm -hmm. you can only see a certain distance. Now, if you stood on the top of a tall building or of a mountain, you can see even further. And that's what we can do with telescopes. And yet, you know that there's more out there that you just can't see. Mm -hmm. So that's where we are now with the level one multiverses. There seems to be further that we can see. We just haven't reached the edge yet. And level two is is where you have the loaf of bread analogy, or, or if you think of bubbles pinching off from a main mm -hmm. bubble there might be, as expands, those bubbles that behave differently. They might be contracting even as our bubble universe expands. Other bubble universes might be contracting and they might have different laws applying to them because of the expansion or contraction. And so those are theoretically possible. But as you get further and further on, it becomes more and more uh, science fiction and less and less based on science. It's more theoretical. Okay. And I think of an analogy when I was going through uh, calculus and as you're developing programs to try and design or model the the calculations you can do, you can get more and more complicated calculations. And in a model, you can create a graph or a, a three-dimensional or two-dimensional model of what you are trying to create using this calculation. You can come up with some fantastic models that may describe a shape that cannot exist in a real world, but because it's mathematical, they do exist. I mean, they're, they're somewhere, but just not in a physical world that we can observe. And so mm -hmm. that kind of, uh, that's sort of the level three uh, or level four, where you can design something that could exist. And level four actually is, I think, mostly mathematically theoretical possibilities. It's derived from mathematics more than anything else. And just one, one more thing to add from my simple understanding. Mm -hmm. And I think Daniel mentioned this, like there's everything, there's a purpose, a reason that God created. So my question to myself is what the purpose of this universe, the actual universe that we have, or like what Roy and Daniel said, level one. Um, <clears throat> and I think we all know that uh, the Lord made this massive universe to declare his majesty and glory through the power of creation. Mm -hmm. And uh, we should not forget that. So there is a purpose for it. But uh, as believers, we know that humans will not exist somewhere else in a multiverse because Christ died once mm -hmm. for man. So that should guide us to the right interpretation of the evidence that we have here. It's not against evidence, but there's a limit mm -hmm. to the theories that we can use. Hmm. Now that's a good point. And then thinking about apologetics, right? Like, cause maybe somebody will bring this up if you're having a conversation with somebody who's an unbeliever and you could really go so many places, I guess with 
probably level three or level four, I guess, with people who are a little bit more advanced. But what are some of the dangers that may, that we should avoid um, if we do and get into a conversation trying to witness to someone and they do bring up this topic? What are some of the dangers that we should avoid? And then what are the things we can point to um, to keep the message focused on the gospel? That is a really good question. And I think that has to be held before our eyes uppermost. And the first rule I would say is don't try and talk about something you really don't know <laughs> much about. So, you know, if you're talking to somebody who's particularly interested in these things, then uh, stick to what you know. And what we know is what scripture has given us. Mm. And that mostly has to do with man's need. And if a person wants to go off on down a, down a rabbit trail, I think the best thing is to try and bring them back to the very basics that, you know, we're sinners before God and we need a savior. The basic gospel is, is what's going to affect people. Hmm. I think of first Peter three fifteen, where it uh, tells us that when we're answering someone, we answer them with gentleness and respect. And I think, you know, even if somebody's come up with the most ridiculous theories or arguments, still treating them with respect and, and uh, kindness and gentleness, I think, goes a long way for displaying Christ through us and through how we're uh, talking to them. Well, that's really good. Yeah, because I think sometimes we can get, depending on the topic, we can get into the weeds and then it gets really forceful and um, maybe belligerent <laughs> too sometimes with debates, right? And and I think it is important to always have before our minds, like the deportment that we should have as believers, um, like as before the Lord too. It's not about winning an argument. It's not about outdoing anybody intellectually either. Um, and it's a very difficult thing to do just because, you know, we have that flesh. <laughs> we want to win. Mm -hmm. um, but it's really not about winning an argument. It's about winning souls. I think that's a very important point. I have seen people ridicule ideas that they really didn't understand at all. So I think for a Christian, belittling or ridiculing uh, an idea that you don't agree with is one of the worst things you can do. Mm. So stick to what, what you know from Scripture and be respectful, mm. as Daniel said. Well, that's really good advice. Thank you so much, Roy, Peter, Daniel, for everything that you've said in this discussion. I know that um, I'm going to be scrolling through that list that Roy mentioned um, of books. I have one of them. Who's, I think it's a, was it? Who's Afraid of the Multiverse? I have that little one I read. Um, but we are all in search of more answers, of course, because life is so complicated. And yet it's simple because we know the Lord. We want to get clarity from God's word. And there is not a day that goes by when the enemy is not attacking what we know from God's word. And so it's important that we keep digging and we keep talking to one another. Those of us who are associated with other believers who are, you know, involved in, I would say, like the scientific field, right, who have talked about, have thought about these questions. Um, so if that's you, I would definitely encourage you to find someone like that. To all of our listeners out there, we hope this discussion made you think gave you some answers, and maybe piqued your interest so that you dig deeper into this topic. Ultimately, our goal is to start conversations, to stimulate your curiosity, and engage our critical thinking. What's the point? We want to go closer to the Lord. 
So with that, until next time, everyone. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Patterns of Truth podcast. We invite you to join us for our next episode. And we also encourage you to check out patternsoftruth.org, where we post articles every week for the encouragement and growth of Christ followers. If you have any questions, please don't hesitate to submit them on our website. I'm Peter. Until next time.